Welcome to Casbo Connect, the voice of school business. I'm Eric Dill, president-elect of Casbo. And I'm Tina Douglas, president of Casbo. The May revise was released on Friday, May 12th. By now, everyone has had a chance to review the budget summary document that was posted on the Department of Finance website. Maybe you watched the governor's three-hour long press conference. Maybe you've read numerous analysis from other organizations or attended workshops to help decipher what this budget proposal might mean for you and your district. In this episode, we're going to talk about what is in the governor's proposal, but most importantly, how CASBO is responding as an organization in its advocacy efforts. We have three guests with us today. Our first guest is Darren Waters. He's the Deputy Superintendent of Business Services for Hemet Unified, and he's also CASBO's Legislative Committee Chair. Welcome, Darren. Thank you for having me. And then we also have Elizabeth Esquivel. She's the Assistant Executive Director for Governmental Relations for CASBO. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. Always excited to be on here with you both. And then we also have Michelle Gill, who's the Director of Policy and Advocacy for CASBO. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Okay. So as Eric mentioned, right after um, the May revise, there's a lot of work that takes place behind the scenes with CASBO. So I just want to start off by asking our first guest, Michelle, what happens after the governor releases the long-awaited May revise? Yes, thank you, Tina. So, you know, as Eric had mentioned before, the May revise came in on May 12th, Friday. So as soon as Governor Newsom is done briefing and giving us the May revision, Department of Finance meets with the coalition members and they give us some time to ask questions, go over the K-12 through um, budget with us. And then they let us know when to expect the Taylor bill language for the budget also. Usually it comes out after 5 p.m. the same day or since this May revision was on Friday. We, they, they also told us to expect it on Monday maybe, but we saw the language coming out uh, later on Friday. When that happens, then we give a heads up to our legislative committee. Uh, we met this week and together we met with LAO, Legislative Analyst Office, and the Department of Finance as well. We had a really intimate conversation about what to expect, what things are looking like, and also asked them questions. And then afterwards, we took a position on what CASPO's response is to the May revision. So if I can ask our legislative committee chair, what's changed since January? And if you could just summarize in a couple sentences, what's, what's your impression of the May revise? Well, I think the quote of the day was, it's like January but worse. And I think that kind of sums it up. Overall, it's not, you know, in the grand scheme of things, probably not a bad budget. There are certainly some things in there that are problematic and and not great. Elizabeth, coming on to you, in January, we were pleased, CASBO was pleased with the governor's proposal and how it really aligned with CASBO's budget priorities. What differences do you see now? Yeah, well, definitely one of the biggest differences that we see is the increase in the COLA going from 8.13% now to being 8.22%. But we're really grateful to see that the governor, the administration is committed to fully funding that statutory COLA. We were also very happy to see, which was not in the January proposal, but we saw in the May revision, is the extension of the ability to carry over the ELOP dollars by a year. And so that's something that was a budget priority for CASBO. We were very pleased that during our advocacy days, we had a chance to talk to legislators about the importance of this and being able to also see it in the May revision. 
we did see that the governor is not deciding to tap into any of the state reserve funds and instead wants to make new and deeper cuts to two of the block grants this year to pay for what we're seeing in terms of trying to make up for the deficit. And so in January, it was very unfortunate to see a 1.2 billion reduction to the arts, music and instructional materials discretionary block grant, especially because we know that school districts were already planning on budgeting those dollars. And so that 1.2 billion was a lot. And this time around in the May revision, we saw an additional $607 million cut. So to our surprise, not only was there that cut, but now we saw $5 billion in the learning emergency lot grant. And so we are seeing that the governor, instead of tapping into the state reserve funds, he's making new and deeper cuts, but also showing that he's protecting his own priorities from previous years, such as protecting the community schools funding and then funding for the zero emission buses. So to make a little differentiation here, the two block grants that he's deciding to cut were the legislature's idea and showing that I'm not ready to tap into my reserve funds. And yeah, I'm still going to continue to be committed to other programs that I funded in previous budgets. So we're really fortunate to have Darren as our legislative committee chairperson. Darren is one of the most respected chief business officials in the state, and he's somebody that he's shaking his head. You can't see it. No, I'm going to heap praise on you, Darren, because he's somebody whose opinions and perspective I respect greatly and somebody that I reach out to from time to time. And so from your chief business official perspective, Darren, you know, what risks do you see in the May revise and, and what should school districts and our, our colleagues be concerned with? Yeah, well, Eric, right back at you. And thanks. So I think the, the, the big positive is, right, it protects, and I think uh, Elizabeth was, was talking about this, he preserved funds, kind of keeping our powder dry that he can deploy later should the, the situation continue to erode away from him, him being the governor, of course. It fully funds the coal at 8.22%. Of course, the legislative analyst office feels the state can only really afford 5.1%. So we're not sure if, if there's a political appetite to fund below the 8.22, but I think it's something we just need to be cautious about as we roll in, into June here and, and, get, and get to the final numbers. I think the block grant cuts, again, as, as others were talking about, it's a mid-year cut. So these cuts are coming to us from mid-year. We haven't had that in many, many years. And this could negatively impact a, a district's budget certification, causing them to slip into either qualified or a negative position. And, and we'll talk more later, but you know, there's certainly other places to cut the one-time funds to make that up without giving education a mid-year cut. I, I think another concern really is uh, talking to the Department of Finance. They feel that with the lower ADA numbers that are coming in with Two, twofold, it's declining enrollment plus lower capture rates. That is actually freeing up some money for them to help fund that. And then the Department of Finance really feels that the, using the one-time dollars is a bridge to a more stable ongoing cost or uh, uh, revenues that are coming in in the out years. I think we all need to be very cautious of the impacts of what will happen at the federal level, particularly with the death ceiling debate that is going on and how that could impact the market. We all know our pension programs, both STRS and PERS, are heavily invested in the marketplace. And when there is a market downturn, the earnings have a downturn. And when those earnings have a downturn, then they're going to increase our employer contribution rates in the out years to make up for that. So I think we need to be very cautious. Obviously, it's a lot easier for them to increase on the PERS side than the STRS side. 
but it's still something they can do. Just need to be cautious of that. I think another area, you know, with the high cola, there's a concern around Hayek at the negotiations table. Yet there's the counter interplay that we're having to deal with on how declining enrollment is exacerbated by the lower capture rates and is impacting most districts in the state. We're not going to see a full 8.22%, yet there's the that expectation at the table to deal with that. We all know our special education costs and, and enrollments are skyrocketing. We're having in my district, uh, unlike not unlike others, it, it is a true, true challenge for us in dealing with the, the uh, increased enrollments and those uh, additional costs. They're pulling money off of the off the table, if you will. So I see yeah. those as the the big issues or concerns that could impact the budget going forward. So it'll be an interesting time as we get into the summer to see how this all shakes out. Yeah. Now everyone knows why when you talk, I listen, Darren. <laughs> so thanks for that rundown and that capturing of just what we are concerned with. You know, those those mid-year cuts, we had distaste for those in January when we saw that when we saw that cut to the arts, music, and instructional materials discretionary block grant. While they had only allocated half of that funding, districts did make plans to spend that. And many of them already have. And I had conversations in the last week since the May revise was released that it's fortunate that my district happened to have a multi-year spending plan on those two block grants because we were not expecting the second shoe to drop in May with also the Learning Recovery Emergency Block Grant being cut. We had plans to use those dollars next year, and, and I'm thankful that we did not spend them this year because if the governor has his way with those two deep cuts, the only way to pay for the revenue that does not come in is to use your unrestricted reserves in the, at the end of the year. And so we may find a number of districts that used it for all the legitimate purposes that that grant could be based off of the promise that we were going to get it this year and the fact that we've not seen mid-year reductions in many, many years. We may have some districts that are in trouble. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in the capital and if that goes through how that might play out with district budgets as well and their and their fiscal health. I was going to say that you know we one of the one-time funds that they surprised us with if you will in the May revise is the additional cut to the emergency um, learning recovery emergency block grant. So does that mean that there's no longer an emergency that taking some of those funds back right where many of us had like you had said, Eric, had already expended them or had planned to expend them for COVID-related issues. So definitely something to watch. Michelle and Elizabeth, you both, after the May revise comes out, there's a lot of conversation that takes place, like you said, with the LEO, with the Department of Finance. Um, and the Legislative Committee also met with representatives from the Department of Finance and the LEO. Can you share what um, the LAO has said about this May revision? Yes. So Tina, LAO came up with their report on May 15th, a few days after the May revise. And in the report, LAO has projected the revenues to be $10 billion below the May revision. Next week also, the LAO will have an assessment of the multi-year outlook. They have also suggested that if the mid-year cuts are not made, and the state budget is limited by the reduced revenue projections, a 5.1% COLA could be funded. I think there's a there's an appreciation for an analysis that they came out with to inform the legislature to say, you don't necessarily have to do a reduction in these block grants 
there are other funding opportunities available elsewhere. And so they are recommending to the legislature that they could reduce other K-14 grants that have yet to be allocated to schools and are not scheduled to be allocated for another few years. And for example, they mentioned the community schools and the electric school buses. And they also did mention that the legislature could achieve one-time savings by requiring districts to use their unspent funds for ELOP uh, before receiving additional state funds for the program in 23-24 on CASBOs. And that is not something that we necessarily support. We're asking for that extension of the ELOP dollars. I get where the LAO is coming from. If you're not spending these dollars giving back to the state and how that free up additional funds for CASBO and our position where we stand is that we just need another year to help build up these programs that we've had a little bit of uh, difficult time doing. So that's the reaction of the independent nonpartisan legislative analyst. How about the partisans in the legislature in both the uh, the Senate and the Assembly? What, what do they think about the May revise? So Eric, we were actually able to get Senator Pro Tem Atkins released a press release. And actually, I can share with you what she did saying that was despite state revenue projections being lower than previous forecasts, California remains strong, and the Senate appreciates the revised proposal reflecting many of their key values, which includes avoiding ongoing cuts to core programs, preserving our primary rainy day fund, and expanding responsible borrowing, including a new climate bond to avoid cuts to climate and infrastructure projects. The same thing with the Assembly. I think this whole past year, we've seen the alignment of protecting our progress, whether that's the administration, the Senate, the Assembly, that's really been a big core of their mantra or their priorities. And so when Speaker Rendon came out with his statement, he mentioned the same thing, continuing to protect the progress that has already been made. He makes references to education, healthcare, and other safety net programs. But one of the biggest priorities that the Assembly has had for the last several years is child care and continuing to make that a priority. So they know that improving child care rates will help children and the economy and families. You know, when I think about the priorities that we see in the January and May budget proposals and the response that we've seen from the Capitol, they really do have an appetite to sustain the ongoing programs. And that's very welcome. Those of us who have been around for a while, and it's actually all of us uh, who are on this podcast, have seen the boom and bust cycles in the past and just the funding roller coaster that we've been on with highs and lows. And the fact that they recognize that we shortchange our our students, we build programs, and then the following year, we can't pay for them. And so that was certainly on their minds when they had unprecedented levels of state revenue last year that led into big budget this year with a lot of one-time money, because they knew this year it was not going to be as rich as it was in the prior year. And so that's why the one-time money was there, because they knew they could continue to fund the local control funding formula and hopefully added the full statutory COLA on top. You know, what we didn't expect was that they would take some of that one-time money this year to pay for the ongoing increase next year. And I, I think it's worth pointing out that the governor's proposals are largely protected. Anything that made its way into the state budget 
uh, in prior years is sustained, with the exception of two things that the legislature wanted, and that was the Learning Recovery Block Grant and the Arts and Music Block Grant. So that's that's where the the proposed cuts from, and we will have to see what the compromise is from the legislature and how they address the cuts to that in order to fully fund the COLA, because the only other place to go would be other programs that have also been funded this year or at the expense of the rainy day funds in future years. And I think CASBO supports preserving and protecting those funds until we know whether or not we will have improved revenue in in future years. So it is a wise strategy, again, because we might need to use those state rainy day funds or stabilization accounts to prevent a cut in 24 or 25 or, or potentially 26. So Darren, you presided over the legislative committee meeting today. And at the end of that, we discussed our response to the May revision. And this will go to the governor and to the members of the Senate and Assembly. And why don't you run through what our budget priorities will be from May through the end of this legislative cycle? Sure. In addition to what you've already stated, Eric, on sustaining the ongoing programs, obviously we fully support the fully funding the statutory COLA at 8.22%. That's always been our top priority going into this budget session. And also having that same COLA apply for programs that are outside the LCFF, like special ed, transportation, et cetera. We feel it's important that uh, he's fully funding universal meals. I mean, that was a a mandate given to us that uh, two meals per kid per day. And uh, it's it's nice to see that they're, they're going to fully fund it. I, I do understand that the costs have come in a little bit higher than they're estimating, but they have stepped up to the plate. And I, I think that's to be commended. We continue to oppose the cut to the arts and music uh, discretionary block grant. That was in our January release in our letter. And we're also going to add in there now the mid-year cut to the the learning recovery block grant. You know, we, we feel that there's other opportunities for the governor and the legislature to, to, to make cuts. We understand there's going to have to be cuts to be made to, to fund things, but instead of taking it as a mid-year cut, there are prior year budget allocations that have not been spent. I think there's like $4 billion sitting in the community schools that has not gone out the door. Another $1.5 billion at zero emission school buses. These are places they can go. These dollars have not gone out into the industry. So it would not seem like a cut. They can come back and fund this and when times are a little bit better and we keep LEAs whole this period here. TASBO also will support, strongly supports the continued rollout of the TK expansion, obviously maintaining where that's at on the staffing, but increasing with the, the birthdays and who's eligible. And then something that we, we were advocated for was extending the expenditure deadline for the unspent ELOP dollars. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that, you know, trying to go from zero to a full implemented program and fully funded from the very beginning. And it takes time to roll up and, and to ramp up and they, to get the, the program in place and get those one-time expenditures, get facilities lined up. And so just getting a little bit of extra time to get that in place, I think, is is, is very welcome. And it certainly satisfied one of the items that we were at, the CASBO was advocating for. So you had said at the beginning that the governor's May revise is like the January budget, only worse. 
and given that it is overall, you know, a good budget, the May revise fully supports the COLA, which is great. We all appreciate that. However, it does come at the expense of some reductions to some of our one-time funds, including um, one that wasn't contemplated in the January release. And so while a fully funded COLA is great, I, I do think it makes sense for us to be cautious. And we are really looking forward to hearing from the LAO what their outlook is on the multi-year budget as we continue to monitor the state budget and finalize our district budgets as well locally. I think it's it'll be important to note that CASBA will be putting together this letter in response to the May revision, but also be testifying in budget hearings that have already began. And so this is kind of the kickoff when we see the May revision, that is the governor punting back saying, here's what we have based on updated revenues. Now it's the legislature's opportunity to really hear and discuss what they like in the May revision. What do they what do they not like or what do they want to see that's not in there? And that gives us advocates and organizations an opportunity to also share um, what our priorities are and what we want to continue to see or not see. So those are going to be the next steps. The legislature has until June 15 to pass their version of the budget prior to sending it to the governor for, for July 1st. And so what's really interesting about this in the last couple of years is that the Senate and the Assembly have actually done an incredible job with coming together in an agreement. And when you think about the legislature and who's making up uh, the funding for this, we have the governor, the Senate and the Assembly. So when you have two of three teaming up, there is an opportunity to help influence and make changes to what is being proposed in, in the budget. So that will be coming up in the, in the next couple of weeks. That's a great summary of the of the work ahead for you and Michelle as you well, I hope you have comfortable shoes as you're running through the the swing space, attending hearings and working all the connections that you both have in the Capitol and uh, working your magic to help make sure that the voices of our members and the concerns that we have as an organization are heard and make their way into the, the heads of our legislators and friends in the administration as they work on that final compromise. So thanks to, to both of you for all of the work you do. Uh, those of us who have been involved with the legislative committee have certainly seen the fruits of your labor and the way that you open doors for us and help shape the final outcome of Numerous bills tied to education, but most importantly, the Budget Act that gets adopted in hopefully June. So with that, I want to thank our guests, uh, Darren Waters, Elizabeth Esquivel, and Michelle Gill. We really appreciate the work you do on behalf of our over 20,000 members in CASBO, and glad you're on our team, and we look forward to seeing what you accomplish by the end of this fiscal year. If you have any feedback, you can follow CASBO on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. With everything going on, you don't want to miss an episode. CASBO Connect, the voice of school business, is a production of CASBO, the California Association of School Business Officials. Smart business, smart schools.